How you doing? Say <laughs> that. The cross. Uh, an icon, an, an image, something that transcends culture. So much so that you don't even have to understand exactly what it means to understand that it means something to someone. You don't have to have church in you to know what someone means when they say, well, that's just his cross to bear. You don't have to be religious to have a cross image inked on your shoulder. And you don't have to be a follower of Jesus to wear a chain around your neck that has a cross hanging from it. Wherever we go, where we see crosses on billboards or on buildings or in images and icons, we know that it means something. But the question is, what does it mean? And that's the question that, that Christians in, in Europe, when Christianity was making its move through that part of the world, they were asking this question. The cross mattered to them. But to really understand why it matters, who it's for, and, and what it's about, you even have to go back further than that because the cross used to mean something else. In the Roman Empire, the cross was a threat. The cross was a warning. The cross was an execution device. It was a torture device. It was the Romans' way to say, if you step towards us, you will never win, no matter what, because the cross and the person that dies on the cross is undefeated. It never, ever loses until one time, that one time in human history when someone hung on a cross, endured the worst thing that the world could throw at another person, the darkest day in human history, except it wasn't the end of the story. See, that's when the cross shifted. That's when the cross became something other than just a torture device and became something better. After all, nobody's getting tattoos on their arms of electric chairs or wearing chains around their necks that have a hangman's noose on it. The cross became something different because of Jesus and because of the work that Jesus did on the cross. And it's not just the thing he did. It's the thing that the cross continues to do because the cross does real things for you and the cross does real things for me. The cross makes us whole. That's what it does. Paul says this in Colossians when he says that through Jesus, through his death, through his blood on the cross, that God is reconciling all things back to himself, meaning that he's bringing all things back together again. And here's the truth. I think you know this, so I hope it's not offensive in any way, but you broke you, right? And I broke me. I'm not broken because the universe is against me. I'm certainly not broken because God did it. We are broken because of the things that we chose to do. We walked away from him, citing irreconcilable differences. We're the ones that decided to make that choice. I believe it's Jonathan Edwards uh, who says, you contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. This is the thing that we did. We walked away from him. And from the moment we did, he started trying to figure out how to get us back. You know, it's easy to think that nails held Jesus up on the cross, but they didn't. Love did. He stayed there because that was the culmination of God's reconciliation effort to bring us back to himself. And that's exactly what he did. And it's good that he did it for us because we couldn't do it for ourselves, no matter how hard we tried. That's what the Bible means in Romans when it says, God showed his love to us like this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Meaning while you were still broken, he did everything necessary to make sure that you didn't have to be broken anymore. That way has been paid. That's what the cross does. But here's the irony of it. And I don't know why we do this, but we love to make the choice to stay broken even when we don't have to anymore. 
Even when Jesus through the cross has already made the way so that we can be whole again, so that we can be put back together because that's what he wants because that is how we're made. The song is right, reunited and it feels so good. That's the way the world is supposed to be, us with him in harmony and in unity and in in shalom and peace but we don't let it happen. It's like the athlete that breaks their leg and then after their leg gets better, they still choose to walk around with a limp. We keep doing the things that we don't have to do. And I quote the great theologian, Cal Naughton Jr. talking to Ricky Bobby in Talladega Nights when he says, wake up, idiot. You're not paralyzed. You're not broken anymore. You don't have to do the things that you're doing now because God has made a way for that to be repaired. The cross makes us whole. Not only does the cross make us whole, see, the cross also sets us free. One of the central things for, for the European Christians as they, were, as they were lifting the cross up and understanding it was this image that all of our shame, that all of our sin, and any other S words that you want to add in there, that all of those things were nailed to the cross with Jesus. That the baggage that every one of us carries from our regrets, from our past mistakes, from our failures, that all of those things that we walk in here with, you know, that invisible baggage that weighs you down, all the things that you bring with you, the idea of the cross is all of those were given to him and they died with him on the cross. That's why the writer of Hebrews tells us that we can boldly come to God, that we can boldly come to the throne of grace. And when we're there, we can find help in time of need. We can come to him boldly because he's already set us free. John Calvin said something similar when he, when he talked about how he gave everything up for Christ. And in the end, what he found was that he had everything in Christ, right? That's the point is that we give him all of our shame and our sin and all of that. And he gives us back only himself. But here's the irony of this, that as much as that freedom is available, we don't always accept it. When, when all of these things were given to Jesus and nailed on the cross, you know what he did? He died. And then he resurrected three days later. And when he resurrected, he resurrected alone. He didn't come back with all your bags. He didn't come back with all your junk, with all your sin, with all your shame. That stuff died on the cross and it stayed dead. But you know what we do? We like to go dig through those ashes, don't we? We like to go look around in all that stuff, see if we can find it. Maybe if I dig around enough, I can find the guilt from my failed marriage and I'll keep it with me. Maybe if I keep digging around in all these ashes, I'll find the guilt I carry from my porn addiction and I can keep living in that. This, is, this has to be what, what made Paul say in such an exasperated way. Look, there's no condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus. Or what made Jesus say later, who the son has set free is free indeed. Meaning that this is not a pending transaction in your account where you have to keep clicking refresh and seeing if it went through. It is done. Who Jesus has set free is free, period. There's nothing else for that. And that freedom is available to us, but we have to stop digging through the ashes of our regrets and our mistakes. That's the only way that you find that. The cross is what sets you free because your sin stays there and it dies there and Jesus comes back alone. But not only does the cross make you whole and not only does it set you free, but the cross gives you hope. Paul said uh, to Titus, his young protege, he said that grace has appeared um, and, and bringing salvation for all people. And I love that image that the grace of God has just burst onto the scene. Um, the uh, evangelist, um, I can't remember her name, too, puts a slide up there, but it's a really cool name. Yeah, Amy, evangelist Amy. Amy says, oh, hope, dazzling, radiant hope, what a change thou bringest to the hopeless, brightening the darkening paths and cheering the lonely way. This idea that hope comes for us through the cross is significant, but it doesn't come the way you think it does. 
Let me tell you why there's hope in the cross. There's hope in the cross because on the darkest day in human history, when every single ounce of hope was gone, the story didn't end. That's the reason we have hope because we have something that we can look to where we can see that in our darkest moments, on our worst in the moments that there seems like there is no logical explanation for how hope could be found, hope is actually there in those moments. But here's what we do, and it's ironic, again. We kind of tend to look at our feet. We kind of tend to try to find proof of life just in our own circumstances. But here's the truth. I shoveled my driveway this morning to come tell you this. Your story is not over you're, the, the, if you look just around your feet, if you look just in your circumstances for proof of life, you'll never find it. It's not there. There will always be a million doctors telling you that, <laughs> telling you that the cancer is going to win. There's always going to be an expert telling you that, well, this is how relationships die. There's always going to be somebody that is saying to you that your kid who's acting stupid is never going to come back and be right. That's always going to be there. No matter what, if you look for proof of life in your situation, you will never find it. And that's why you've got to look back. And that's why you've got to look to the cross. And you have to look to the moment when hope died and was reborn all at once. The moment that through the death of Jesus, our hope was reborn and we were given a way to find that. That is where you find hope. You find hope in the cross, in the moment when it seemed like there was none. That's what the cross does. The cross makes you whole. The cross sets you free. And the cross gives you hope. But see, in order to find these things, there's something that we have to do. And I'll give you a phrase to hold on to this week. You gotta stay near to the cross. You know, there's several accounts in the gospels about how the crucifixion and the death of Jesus went down. And, and, and some of them are kind of thin. And, and the reason for that is because a lot of the guys who gave us eyewitness accounts of Jesus weren't actually there. Like it's hard for Peter to give a good eyewitness account when he's off hiding somewhere, right? But John was there and John gives a good account. And he also tells us there were some other people, Jesus' mother and some other women. And he uses this phrase. He says, they were near the cross. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being a mother watching her son being executed and tortured? Being John watching one of your closest friends suffer and die like that. But yet we're told that they didn't go away. They stayed close to it. Because if you're close to the cross, you can actually see what Jesus did and it can change you. If you get too far away from the cross, it will never make sense to, to, to live in the wholeness that he offers, to let him make you whole again. It'll just make sense to stay broken. If, if you're too far away from the cross, it'll make a lot of sense to dig through those ashes and find your guilt so you can carry it again, not letting him set you free. If you get too far away from the cross, it's really, really easy to look to your feet for hope, for proof of life, instead of looking to the cross where hope died and then was reborn. So you gotta stay near to it. And sometimes we do that just by remembering. You know, in a little bit here, we're gonna celebrate communion on the Lord's table. And, and we're gonna come together at that. And there's, there's um, elements we use. Like something that represents the body broken for us, something that represents the blood spilled. And it doesn't really matter what those elements are. What really matters is that you draw near to that. So today, later on, when we do that, this is my invitation to you. Maybe you need to stand there with those things and say, today the cross needs to put me back together because I am tired of living broken when I don't have to. Maybe you need to say the cross needs to set me free and I am no longer going to try to bring back to life what Jesus killed and what he died for me. Maybe you just need to say, I'm gonna stop looking for proof of life and proof of hope at my feet when all I need is over there. So today when we do that, 
Um, let's think about those things. And I'll end with a quote from one of my favorite old hymns written by a guy during the time period we're discussing today, a guy named Isaac Watts. It's called When I Survey or When I See the Wondrous Cross. And here's his final line in this talking about the cross. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Stay near to the cross. Amen? All right. Hey, we're getting... Thank you. <laughs> we're going to take an offering. A